of Monsters and Metal. That's right, this is the episode where you decided what we play. How did you do that? You went to MonstersandMetal.com and you voted throughout the entire month, except for the first week of each month, you get to vote, and you choose the top six comics that we're going to review, you choose the movie that we're going to review, and you create our top ten music countdown. It is that simple. You can go to the Facebook page and play our contest, but you have to go to MonstersandMetal.com to basically choose what you want to hear so let's just dive right into this shit and let's get it started number 10 coming in at number 10 this month is body farm with unbroken
coming in at number nine is Triptychon with Breathing.
Alright, the three of us are back, and by that, I mean Decapitated Dan. Anybody else? Southern Sensation, Aaron, <laughs> me, this guy. <laughs> I don't know who I am. And the white marvel. And uh, basically, we are here, and we are doing the top six countdown that you guys voted on for Books for Us to review this month. So, uh, we thank you for doing Yay. that. And uh, I, I don't know about you guys, but I think maybe a book or two this month is going to be like last month's movie where Rondell and I were ready to pull our hair out after watching April Fool's Day. But but we'll have to wait and see. We'll definitely have to wait and see. So, okay, coming in at number six this month, uh, you guys wanted us to review V-Wars number one. When a sniper's bullet kills the pro-peace speaker of the house and a terrorist vampire cell takes credit, the vampire war erupts, hotter and bloodier than ever. Join IDW and their best and New York Times best-selling author Jonathan Mayberry as we take you on a non-stop thrill ride of action, horror, and suspense. Uh, written by Jonathan Mayberry, art by Ryan Brown and Alan Robinson. So uh, basically, what we have here is that the solicit kind of kind of says that you basically have this world where um, vampires and, and humans coexist for the for the most part, and tensions are starting to kind of rise. And basically, you know, the, there's this. Uh, I, I really love the scene where the guy got his head blown off for the most part. But you know, that that's kind of like the tipping point in into making things erupt and. And whatnot, and I know people who are uh, definitely fans of like Jonathan Mayberry's uh, writing. You know, are definitely coming on board for this. He just did finished up his series uh, Bad Blood with with Dark Horse, which was another vampire series. So um, visually, I think that you know Alan Robinson and colors by Jay Photos completely knocked this one out of the park. Story wise, I don't know how much um, I liked it. I mean. Just in general, I'm kind of sick of the vampire thing. It, it doesn't matter what the vampire story is at this point. It's you know, I, I like something like The Strain, where the vampires are just these destructive monsters. Where this this one's more like you have the society. Aaron, what was that? Uh, what was that book? Dead Eyes Open. Remember Dead Eyes Open? No. You don't remember that? That was the one where the the zombies lived. It was in the 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 giant horror collection. The zombie, oh. zombie, and you were like, "This is the worst thing, and it's the longest thing in this book." Mammoth zombies. Yeah. Mammoth yeah. zombies. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. Basically, have, go ahead. I may have, I may have passed through that or fell asleep through it. I don't know. Yeah. So, so I, it, to me, that's kind of what this is. You have this, you have this world where vampires and humans coexist, and you know, somewhat friendly, somewhat, you know, you. You still got the two sides in, in the fighting and, and whatnot, but uh, basically you have the tipping point, and everything just goes to hell. So I mean, personally, for me, I, I think the visuals were, were better, but you do have a, a nice conspiracy theory here. Um, not like the biggest fan of of um, Mayberry's writing. I didn't love Bad Blood, and you know it, it is what it is. I mean, I'll come back for number two because I like the ending on this one, so I'll give it to the sensation. Um, this one, yeah, I like the head getting blown up. That was cool. But, uh, it was a little too political for my taste. It seemed kind of like talky and political. I like Mayberry a lot. I like his Doom War and his Punisher. 
and some of his novels, but this one just wasn't grabbing me as far as roller coaster action. I'm not sure if I will join you for number two or not. Ooh, man. That rough for you, huh? Yeah. That political aspect, I mean, it does, it, 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 it's, it's kind of a different thing, so. What do you think, Billy? Um, you guys are right on point. It's, you can't turn on a television or anything right now without political stuff being jammed in your face. So I get that, you know, you try to catch on to that like zeitgeist, but I've been sick of it for a long time, so. It's not, that's not for me. The writing's good, you know, story is good and all that stuff. It's just, and to your point too, Dan, everything, the strain is so good as a horror vampire book. Something like this is good, but when you compare it to that, and sometimes it's not fair to compare things, but if I was going to spend my money on one horror book a month or one vampire book a month, it would be the strain. I wouldn't buy this over that because that is just so good it's that's a perfect horror vampire book that book and this one is good but it's just not up to snuff with that well and this falls this falls more into that realm of of you know uh, political like like Aaron kind of put a political story with horror elements it, it's like uh frankenstein agent of shade just because he's frankenstein doesn't typically mean you have a horror aspect to it this is you know this might play more on that political drama yeah, and that just isn't for me. That's not my thing. But they try to they they try to get you. They try to pull you in with with the vampire. So I don't know. I mean, it's it, it's something, and, and we'll definitely see. So you think you'll come back for number two or no? Yeah, I would say no. Good visuals, though. I'll agree with you on that. Very good visuals. All right. Well, let's go ahead and uh, just wrap this one up with uh, a rating. I I think I'll give V Wars number one. Uh, I'll probably give it a, a six and a half out of ten. Oh, I give it a two. Wow, I would say five. All right, so everybody stick around, and we will be back with your number five comic of the month. Number eight. Your number eight song this month is from Deicide with End the Wrath of God.
and ready to review our number five book of the month. As long as Aaron's done farting. I think he's done farting. Yeah. You sure? Yeah, I'm sure. All right. All right. Number five this month. You guys wanted us to read The Crossed Annual 2014. Cross scribe Simon Spurrier teams up with artist Rafael Ortiz to unleash this vile tale of misery and mischief in an all-new oversized Cross 2014 annual! The English countryside, tweeting birds, friendly vicars, crumpets and jam, the peaceful rural idol, the cows in the dairy and the dogs in the bed, and there's a fat asthmatic kid hiding up in the old tower. You'd think that would have rhymed and it would have been funny. Uh, also, a mob of cross are lur- lurking nearby, and they want nothing but to eat off the face of the little boy. <gasps> Written by Simon Spurrier, art by Raphael Ortiz. Okay, uh, first of all, just just to throw it out of the bat, I love Crossed, and uh, recently, uh, I think Simon Spurrier actually did one of the most one of the strongest arcs I've read in Cross Badlands in in a long while. It was about uh, three characters who who came together and traveled the countryside on motorcycles, and it was absolutely fantastic and and definitely worth it. So I was excited when I saw that uh, he was doing the the annual this year. Um, and and personally, just for me, he he definitely did not let me down. There's there's tons of you know what what I like uh, that Cross has been doing lately. Uh, I think they're they're really diving in and, and telling these really strong tales. And on top of that, of course, you get the typical Cross. You get the the crazy shit that that just goes and and happens. So in this one, uh, basically, we have this tower, which I I don't live in London. I don't know if these exist more places than I think, but, uh, basically there's a, there's a little kid and he's a fat little boy and he's eating candy bars on top, but he's up stuck up there with a guy who blew his head off and the world's going crazy around him. And, um, he's just trying to, to figure out how, how to get down. And at the bottom of the tower, there's this old lady who's, uh, crossed and she keeps saying stuff. And as the story goes along, we learn that the the boy actually um, uses his imagination to come up with backstories and and whatnot for the the cast and the characters, and um, you know he's trapped up there. And some of the cross that are after him are people who picked on him in school because he's not popular. And it's it's just this. I thought it was like this fantastic tale of you know the kid using his imagination while also surviving, and then he finally gets free for the most part and all of a sudden he's basically screwed again and and I thought that was like the perfect just the perfect ending for this because you were happy for him yet then all of a sudden it it turns out that well he ain't safe and no one's safe in this in this world and and it was absolutely fantastic the visuals by Ortiz are, are just drop dead gorgeous I I think that he just nails it every single time he touches a, a book for Avatar and, and coloring and everything. I think Digicore Studios did the coloring. Let me check on that real quick. Uh, let's see. Yeah, Digicore Studios did the coloring, and, and it's fantastic. And, and I love Crossed, and, and I'm really, really on board with what they've been doing lately. So with that, I'll hand it over to Aaron again. Okay, we've got Crossed. Um I've only had three experiences with Cross. The first one was the Ennis run, the original run, which I loved to death. That was great. And then we read something for Water Cooler, 
And oh, then cool. this one. And, uh, you know, there's something they all had in common. In the first series, there was there was human-on-human rape. That kind of made sense. But then you, <laughs> kinda you get makes the sense. covered on the cooler, <laughs> and they're raping vultures. <laughs> wow. And in this one, we have a cross kid raping a cat. Now, hold on, wait, I can explain this one, right? He's he's raping the cat, and he's a kid, so he doesn't understand the word, the term pussy yet. So he, <laughs> so basically, he's just doing what, what comes natural. <laughs> okay, I'll buy it. <laughs> I try to get a letter from oh. Spurrier going, you were so wrong. <laughs> But this one, I had fun with this one. It was pretty good. Um, I like the aspect of the kid telling his stories. You know, I'm a people watcher. I make up stuff about people. I'm not a big fan of prose in my comic books, so that kind of bored me a little bit, even though it was an interesting twist. But this one was a lot of fun. It, it, uh, it definitely erased the memory of whatever cross we read before. But I still don't think, in my opinion, everybody's been, nobody has come close to as fun and as awesome as that original run when Garth Ennis was. But this was good. I liked it. It was fun. Cool. All right. Uh, Billy, what did you think? Okay. A very strong story. And uh, did you guys get a, like, Nine of the Living Dead vibe from this? Just like, are, so, are, you, are you talking just like this particular cross story? Yes. I guess you could kind of see it. Sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah, hey, I found the gas pump key. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just reminded me of that oh, a lot. You know, Aaron. somebody kind of uh, stuck and <laughs> zombies, whatever you want to say, outside running around. But yeah, it was a strong story and the visuals were really good. I've I don't know that I've ever seen work by that artist before. Do you guys know of anything else he did? I will look just for you. Because I don't recognize the name, which doesn't mean I haven't seen something from him before, but there's one scene, and it's a wide shot, and it shows the boy on top of the tower, and it shows everything out for, like, miles, and you see a plane wrecked and dead cows all over the place. Like a London, I guess that's supposed to be back there on fire, and that is really awesome. I love that shot. It reminds me of Dave Walker. Isn't he the guy that did that Night of a Thousand Wolves? Mm -hmm. Yep. It kind of reminds me of that kind of style. But uh, yeah, really strong story. Um, and the cat rape, I just assumed that was a UK thing. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh... Uh, but, uh, yeah, very good visuals, very strong story. I mean, Simon Spurrier's a good writer. Everybody knows that. He, he can write. So, yeah, good stuff. But will I read number two? No, because Cross is just way too hardcore for me. <laughs> okay, uh, Ortiz has done, outside of outside of the uh, Avatar universe, the only thing he seems to have done on this list is that um, Yaiba Ninja Gaiden Gaiden Z that just came out from Dark Horse? Hmm. But everything else he's done, Cross, he's done Dan the Unharmable, and he's done God is Dead for, for Avatar. 
yeah, he's he's got the he's got chops. I'll give him that. Good stuff. Very cool. All right. Well, let's go ahead and rate this. I'm going to give the Cross 2014 Annual a solid nine. I give it an eight. I will give it a seven. All right. Everybody stick around, and we will be back with your number four pick. Number seven. Your number seven pick this month comes to you from Equilibrium. And I'm not even going to try to pronounce this correctly, so I'm just going to say it's Blut I'm on.
right, we are back with your number four pick. What's number? What came in at number four this month, Aaron? Number four this month is Valiant Shadow Man End Times, number one. The end times are now. Master storyteller Peter Milligan is pushing Shadow Man to the edge, but can Jack Boniface survive the plunge? Jack thought he'd finally fixed his life and the source of his dark power, but when a figure from his past emerges with a troubling revelation, the new Shadow Man will plummet into an abyss far darker than any demon. Make no mistake, doom is coming for Shadow Man. Written by Peter Milligan, art by Valentine de Landro. With Live Say. I don't know what that is, but alright. Aaron, have at it. Alright, Peter Milligan. I love Peter Milligan. Hellblazer, dear. <laughs> um. But did he have Justice League Dark, the first run on that? I like that. And um, I thought I would be stoked for this. It's Valiant, stoked. Shadow Man, stoked. But um, I've been out of comics for about a year. I got back into it a little bit to do this show. And Valiant's not something I've delved back into yet. Can one of you all tell me if... The Shadow Man ongoing is still ongoing. I think this is this is it now. Because yeah, it feels to me like there was a series and there's not one anymore, and they're doing this thing. I'm looking so, into it though. I think it may have transitioned into this. You might be right. So if you, I read the first couple of issues, and then I came up on Mind Control and got out of comics for a while, and. If you're picking this up all by itself, not having read that series, you didn't transition into it, you're going to be a little bit lost. I mean, I got the the uh, the gist of Jack and what was his dad's name, Josiah, or something like that. Mm-hmm. But as far as all these things are mentioning what happened to him and how he got to this point, it, I just couldn't get it. But I don't think it's very uh, newcomer friendly. Nothing against Peter Milligan or Valiant. And sometimes these things happen, and this just sadly happens to be one of them. I don't think it's for me, even though it's Valiant. I'm sad to hear. Anything else? Oh, go ahead. Okay. Um, Peter Milligan's a good writer, but he can't write Brother Voodoo worth a crap. <laughs> Is that your whole review? No. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's just, it doesn't do anything to grab you and pull you in. It, it's, the visuals are good for most of the part, you know, most of the book, but it's just not, um, it, it, this reminds me too much of that. You know, the guy's kind of got like a spirit in him and he's arguing with it kind of like brother voodoo does. Cause his brother's a spirit that can, you know, like bond with him or whatever. And it's just, I don't know. It just didn't, doesn't really have anything to pull you in and keep you and make you want to buy more. Doesn't have anything, no spark to it, nothing to 
nothing to grab a reader at all. So, you know, Peter Milligan, good writer, just this is maybe just a bad bad fit for him. Okay. Um my my bigger downside to this issue was the artwork. I, I did not like this artwork. Uh, I, I think it might have something to do with the coloring, but I, as the issue went on, I started to li- like it even less and less. Um, I don't know. It's just it's just one of those things. To me, Shadow Man was always one of those characters who I, I'd say would be like Brother Voodoo, who's not typically horror. It's just a horror concept where nothing horror is happening. I mean, he's fighting this, and he's doing internal stuff, and whatnot. And I mean, just because I see a pentagram here or a witch there, I mean, it, it, it doesn't jump out to me as, as this or that. Um, nothing grabs me, just like you. Noth- nothing would say I need to definitely come back for the next one. And this series couldn't even grab me with the original level one when it when it came back. So I'm, I'm not super excited to, you know, talk about it. I mean, I don't want to sit here and, and just bash it. I love Peter Milligan. Um... But yeah, even he couldn't he couldn't pull me in with this, and it's sad because I mean it, it is a number one. I mean, there's a decent recap, but there's nothing that, nothing to just grab you and, and really drag you into it for for the most part to to make you want to come back. So I think if you're a Shadow Man fan, it's a different story, but it's it's just not for me. So, you guys got anything else? No, nope. I think to uh, make it better, they should introduce a. A British guy in a trench coat with some cigarettes <laughs> in, in, a, in a foul mouth to help him along with his battle against the Loa or whatever. But shouldn't, shouldn't since it takes place in New Orleans, shouldn't Dylan Dog be there? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and rate this one, Aaron. I give this one a six. Billy? I'll give it a six as well. I'm going to go five on this one. So, all right, everybody stick around, and we'll be back with the top three. Number six. The number six pick this month comes to you from Death Angel. This is The Dream Calls for Blood. Yeah. 
Alright, it is time to review a movie here on the fan episode, and we do that by reviewing the movie that you chose. Uh, basically, we narrowed it down for you. I chose three movies. Ronald chose three movies. Hey, Ronald, we haven't said hi yet. What's up? And, uh, you, you know, you guys voted, and the winner was Troll Hunter. Yay! Da, 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 da. Um, so... That's what we're going to take a look at. Uh, just to remind you, you know, to choose the movies. That, the movie that we're going to review for the fan episode, you just go to monstersml.com and you vote from the six that we have there, and we'll review the one that gets the most votes. And this time it was Troll Hunter. So, I'm, I'm really excited to hear what you have to say on this, because I know you haven't seen it. So, I'll, I'll, give, I'll, I'll do the build and explain it a little, but then I'm really, really excited to, to hear what you say. Um... Okay, uh, you, I, I would destroy every single person's name if I tried to pronounce them, <laughs> because I do not speak Norwegian? Would that be yep. theirs? Yeah, Norwegian. Yep. Uh, okay, so this movie came out in Norway uh, on October 29th, 2010, so it has been out a while, and uh, I'm not sure when it made its American debut. I know I saw it for the first time, I think, maybe a year, year and a half ago, something like that, and ever since then, I've just just been floored and, and anytime I get a chance to watch it I, I, I get to watch it um, I don't like movies where I have to read subtitles yet this movie <laughs> I will sit through any day of the week I, I I have no idea you know it's just it's just one of those things matter of fact I think the first time I watched this movie it was on a bootleg copy <laughs> I just I just had to see it I, I was so excited to see it so what is what's it about um, okay so it takes place in the beautiful beautiful country of Norway and that's that's just every freaking scenic shot they do. I just go, oh my god, I want to visit that country. It's you just, I just want to go on vacation there. Um, and there's this group of three college kids, and I guess uh, hunting bear in Norway is kind of a you have to have a special license, and they only give a certain amount out because you know they're trying to control the bear population for the most part. Well, if someone's going around and reckless, you know, recklessly killing bear for the most part, and they're looking into it, and that's when they come across this character Hans, and they decide one night to basically follow him into the woods, and that's where everything just goes crazy when he runs at the camera and screams troll um it's just it it and you know it's it's a it's a, a documentary style movie mockumentary whatever you want to say it's it's a, a found footage movie so you, you know you you get all this this great build but i i just give it up to to this team because you know it, i i'm not going to spoil like lots of it but man they made Everything looked good. Everything looked good. They did, especially from a, from a cinematic perspective. I mean, the, like you said, the, the visuals, the the atmosphere where they're at, the environment, and some of the shots they get are just absolutely incredible. Like it, it makes the film. That's like sixty percent of the film to me. Oh, hundred percent. For sixty. Yeah, I'm actually notoriously not a fan of mockumentaries, found footage films. You know, Blair Witch, Cloverfield. Couldn't give a two shits about those films, and they actually they tend to make me sick when I watch them. Um, so it was interesting with this one. Um, not so much. Like it, it, I didn't get too queasy. You know, with the whole motion uh, going on, and the the story was actually pretty cool. 
there's like there's a lot of places where it slows down. You know, they have to travel from place to place and whatnot um, as they're sort of hunting these trolls. But um, I had actually heard that after I watched it, I actually heard that they improvised a lot of the scenes, like the dialogue, mm-hmm. which is really impressive considering the tone of the movie. Like it, it's got a real dark humor to it. So it's like it's sort of like this is really happening, but at the same time they're poking fun at you know everything that's going on, which is is really impressive. Um, what what the biggest my my favorite thing and it, it's a Norway thing, but my my favorite thing was the uh, you don't believe in Jesus stuff. <laughs> Trolls can smell that on you. <laughs> They can smell Christianity on you. <laughs> yeah, isn't it what he was telling him when he first met him? He was like, none of you guys are Christians, right? <laughs> and later in the movie, that, that definitely comes into play. Um, so, okay, let me ask you this. What was your favorite troll scene? If you had to pick one, I, I know they're all really good. If I had to pick one, it would probably be the end, just because that troll is so so impressive just in scale Mm -hmm. um and then as he's like chasing them and whatever it is the suv or the the jeep or whatever um it's it's just so awesome just to see these giant feet come down and it's it's almost like a you get sort of a jurassic park kind of feel from it oh yeah oh yeah you get the tail swinging through and everything i mean which which is cool because i had no idea uh, that trolls had tails like none (laughs) Apparently they do. <laughs> well, that that type does, right? My favorite, my favorite troll scene has to be the cave when mm. when they're running, um, when they're running out of the cave, and he's doing the flashes of light, and you see the trolls. Yeah, that see that, and, and I think that was in the trailer for it. But that scene blew me away because those looked more puppet than mm. they looked um, to be CGI for the most part. And that was pretty scary, to be honest. Like seeing them in those flashes, that was it was, it was pretty creepy. I love I love all their uh, all the things that, like you wouldn't expect, right? Like, how come those power lines go in a circle? <laughs> what do they <laughs> What do they go to? Well, it's because it's actually a fence, and you get it's and, and that's like to me that was like the genius of the movie. It was like they were using things like that. Well, mini tornado must have rolled through here and took this tree out. It's like, what? <laughs> yeah, it definitely had its own sort of logic going on. And it's, it's, it's funny because it's like specifically to, to Norway as well. It's like, the, the, yeah. they, they like specifically keep them in Norway. We don't let them go to Finland, Sweden for the most part. We just, we just keep them here. You know, we can, <laughs> we control them. And then they bring in, they bring in the bear squad afterwards and they put the bear tracks down. <laughs> and, and what did they, it's like, this isn't a Norwegian bear. This is a Russian bear. <laughs> Nobody's going to buy this. <laughs> So no, it's it, it's definitely um, a movie that I, I just you know constantly tell people to watch because I I think that it's something that it, you you got to have a sense of humor for it I think and like I said you just have to be able to sit through the subtitles. Absolutely, yeah. It's it's definitely worth giving a shot, and that's coming from somebody like I said that really wasn't crazy about mockumentary found footage film. It's the experience of watching this film is is worth it alone. For sure. 
And I'm reading here, it's funny because I'm reading here on Wikipedia that, um, uh, page just turned on me, that the Christopher Columbus Company, 1492, <laughs> has bought the rights to remake this. Really? So that disappoints me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you could make it much better than let's, that. Let's, let's, um, let's Americanize it and <laughs> have it make... We'll just turn them into Bigfoots. I don't know. <laughs> Speaking of which, that's, a, that's one we'll have to watch soon, even though you don't like the mockumentaries. <laughs> it's that new Bigfoot country. We'll definitely have to come to that soon. Um, so overall, um, I'm going to give... If, I, I don't know if we rate them here on this episode or what, but I, I'll definitely give Troll Hunter a 9 out of 10. Yeah, I would probably put it at a seven and a half or eight. Yeah, very cool. Sure. Very cool. All right. Well, we remind everybody to uh, go to monstersmell dot com and vote on uh, the movie that we're going to review because this whole episode is just based on on what you want to hear. And don't forget to check out uh, the show the first of every month where Ronald and I choose the movie on Crackle because we do Strange Kids Club presents what's crackling. That's right, because we're awesome. And on that. Uh, we also have the contest that we run on the Facebook page where you get to win something monster and metal and you get some cool Strange Kids stuff. Hells yeah. And you can't beat that. So where can everybody find out everything that you do, sir? We house ourselves in the insane asylum called StrangeKidsClub.com. And, of course, we're on Twitter and Facebook at StrangeKidsClub. And what's coming up um, for the last half of this month from the 15th to the 30th that people can come check out? Uh, lots of awesome stuff. We've got our Ghostbusters tea, or something strange tea, that's uh, winding down. Um, we've got a few more uh, Closet Monsters trading cards that we're doing on BewareTheCloset.com, so lots of great artists on that. Um, and then we've got another tea that we're going to release towards the end of the month uh, that I don't want to give any details away, but just think Secret of the Ooze, and uh, you'll be on the right track. Very cool. Very cool. All right, sir. I will talk to you in, I suppose, 15 days for everyone's ears. (laughs) (laughs) Number five. Your number five song this month comes to us from Watain. This is Outlaw.
We have broken into the top three, and our number three book this month is... Nailbiter, number one. Buckaroo Oregon has given birth to 16 of the vilest serial killers in the world. An obsessed FBI profiler investigating the town has suddenly gone missing, and now an NSA agent must work with the notorious serial killer Edward Nailbiter Warren to find his friend and solve the mystery of where the serial killers come from. Uh, let's see. Written by Joshua Williamson. Art by Mike Henderson. That's it. It's all yours, Aaron. Oh, that's a nice solicit there. Um, who put it out? Was it Image? Yes. Yes, it is. Okay. That's what I thought. We have this serial killer, the nail biter. Apparently kills people who bite their nails. It's a little harsh compared to like that nasty bitter stuff that they would dip kids' fingernails in. But I think it's pretty cool this guy's obsessed about finding out what's going on and they can't they can't find the guy. Bring him into this town. Got to feel like I've seen before that set up a good story. But this is I want to see him flashback more to this nail biter dude. It's kind of strange. I'm kind of intrigued by him. But, uh, what is it? 13 serial killers from the same town? 16. How many? 16. They must not have had anything to do, like a skate <laughs> rink or anything. It all comes down to that skating rink. <laughs> yeah. This was pretty cool, you know. I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to number two on this one. And I uh, like Joshua Williamson. I've read some of his stuff before. I don't remember exactly what it was. Um, it wasn't Ghosted. Sure ghosted remember, ghosted but... started after after you stopped reading, right? Yeah, I was going to say Ghosted was the most recent thing he did, right? Yeah, still doing. Yeah, I wasn't. That was while well, I was under mind control. You should check that one out. I think you'd like like that one. Yeah, that's not bad. Oh, you know what he was doing? He was doing Voodoo for DC when DC relaunched. Uh, no, I didn't like Voodoo. No? Else. It, was a, it was an image book. Xenoholics? Was it Xenoholics? Yes. With the, with the group of people who were abducted? Yes, okay. I like that one. Okay. Anything else on this one? Um. No. All right. Hold on, I gotta, I gotta hang down and buy it off. <laughs> Billy, what do you think? I thought this one was pretty good. Obviously, if you sit and think about it for a few minutes, it's really will weird, silly premise for a serial killer. But once the story got going, I thought it was pretty good, and I really liked the main character in the story. Um. The only part of the story I thought was kind of ridiculous was when these two high school kids are picking on that girl and the main character comes out to kind of break it up and they're like, yeah, you better get out of here, dude. We're going to kick your butt. And he looks at them and I'm thinking, okay, I'll put myself in that situation and I'm picking on some girl and some like six, five scary looking black dude comes out and says, knock it off. Yeah, I'm running, man. 
I'm not going to be like, hey, pal, I'm going to kick your butt. That seemed kind of dumb. I mean, come on, let's be honest. Who's going to, what 17, 18-year-old kid is going to pick a fight with some, like, you know, 35-year-old big, scary dude? Nobody. Especially when they look like a cop. But that's a tough, that's a tough football player for you, right? <laughs> yeah, they're always uh, <laughs> so tough. Yeah, so other than that, though, I thought it was a really good story, really strong. Uh, I would want to read number two from absolutely from this. Uh, our work was pretty good. You know, there were some points here and there that were a little rough, but I thought overall it was pretty good. I mean, you couldn't really ask for a whole lot more. Um, I, I like the, the serial killer part, but I'm also interested to see what happened to his buddy there, too. You know, his, I don't know if it was his partner or just a friend of his or what, but that is missing now. So, good stuff. I think the concept of this one's fun. I mean, just the just the whole thought that, you know, you have 16 serial killers from this tiny little town and and there is some kind of mystery behind it so i hope i hope at the end all we do is find out that it was like they all get together and be like man this is all because we didn't have a skating rink i i just yeah think that that would be perfect and then aaron someone would owe you money or something at, at that point but uh art wise uh i think they just nailed it on this one i i loved i loved the designs i loved everything about it i thought it was fantastic um I don't know. I I, we, I think we can get to the point when, and I'm trying to look just based off of the coloring, and I think that's what's throwing me off. Okay, I was gonna say I think I thought her bangs were one color, and then her hair was another color. I was gonna say we could have enough of that, but um, no, like like you guys said, the the concept's there, the the fun of it's there, and there is unlike some of the others that we've kind of talked about. You know, while this one's kind of like this police. Um, mystery for the most part there are horror elements there i mean when he's they're going down the street to to the nail biter's house and you see um one of the serial killers show up and then disappear that 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 element's there to to creep you out and let you know that something else is coming and it's all there and it's all in place and i I think this series is only going to get better williamson's a fantastic writer and and i'm enjoying his stuff on ghosted and, and definitely this as well so I will definitely be back because I think that there's a lot to explore here. So didn't he write something about bad guys too as the main characters? He wrote um, a book called Necessary Evil, where it was yeah. uh, the villains, the school for for villains. That was cool too. Yeah, that was uh, that was a series I really loved. So, all right. Well, unless you guys got something else to add, let's go ahead and write this one. I give it an eight. Really? I will give it an eight as well. I'll finish it off with an eight and a half. I liked this one. All right, everybody, stick around. We have two to go. Number four. Coming in at number four is a band that we've actually had on Monsters and Metal to interview. This is Starkill with Sword, Spear, Blood, Fire. <laughs>
down to number two. Two! Two. Alright, what do we got? What's our number two, Billy? Haunted Horror, number ten. Dead walking, ghouls stalking, specters talking, this chilling full-color comic specializes in painfully restoring comics from the 50s with brilliant old-school art and the wonkiest of terrifying scripts. Every story tingles the spine. So good, it's scary. Tons of original writers and, and everything, but we throw it over and we throw love to the uh, Yo Books crew and IDW with uh, Steve Baines, uh, Craig Yo for the most part, who uh, collect these for us. So I will give it back over to Billy. Okay. If you have never read any pre-code horror books, you need to start buying these. Um, before... That crazy guy, what was his name, Frederick Wortham, went crazy and convinced everybody that they needed to stop showing murder and, you know, crazy stuff like that in books. There were quite a few 
titles out there, and these are very, very good. I mean, they're not up there with. I are are any of these Dan from? Uh, oh well, what's their names? I always put out one. EC the EC stuff. Yeah. No, and the the reason for that is people own the rights to those. Okay, and that stuff is a little more hardcore than this stuff. So this stuff's not quite as, as hardcore, but it's still really good, creepy, crazy stuff. And it's all pre-code stuff before that happened. And, you know, you get anything from, you know, monsters to murder to, uh, you know, some guy's like pissed off at his wife. And he's like, man, I'm going to kill her and bury her in the basement somewhere. Just any crazy thing you could think of back then. And these are restored really, really nice. I mean whether you buy them in print or digitally, you, you can't go wrong either way because they're beautiful books. I mean, the cover to this book is just absolutely awesome. If you saw this on a shelf, you would buy this book just from the cover if you're into horror books because it is that really, <laughs> it's that cool. Um, I like the old school, you know, horror host type thing that started out too. That's something that I can't even remember the last time anybody did that. God, it's got to be a long time. But that was always something that I thought was really cool and something I really like about, you know, old books like this and the ECs and stuff like that. I love that kind of stuff. But it's got a real a real old-school charm to it. But, yeah, they're very good stories, very creepy stories, and the restoration work is beautiful on them. Anything else? Nope. All right. Um, one, of the, one of the cool things about the Haunted Horror books is is the price. And definitely the reason you say that is because for is this book, I think, has the cover price of always four ninety nine or sometimes three ninety nine for the most part. But you're you're getting things that you can't get for the most part. If you want to go get the the first tale, the Cult of Thirteen Ghosts, you got to find you know this magazine is haunted number three from February of nineteen fifty two. So first of all, good luck on that. And second, who knows what you're going to pay for it. So so basically, you're getting these reprints at, at a steal. And, and like Billy said, they are cleaned up beautifully. They they really do a fantastic job. You know, they're, they're, you, you don't really see too much cleaning up in terms of, you know, having to re-letter. But I, I'm pretty sure that there's times when they do have to re-letter. Um, if you look at the story, one, one of them shows the old printing process, which was uh, Epitaph, where... You know the the colors don't line up on some of the pages and, and and stuff like that, and that's just part of the fun printing process and and something that you get. I mean that the, like you know that brings that old feel definitely to it. So you're definitely getting this this fantastic collection. Uh, this particular collection, um, I think that they started off with probably the strongest story, the Cult of the Thirteen Ghosts. I thought that one really stood out to me. Bob Powell art. I mean. How how do you seriously beat that? That's just absolutely fantastic. Um, I'm trying to think, there was another one that really stood out for to me. Um, that vampire story was was pretty funny, you know, because I mean, you still have all the you you have that concepts of of the vampires even back in the the fifties and and whatnot. Um, Midnight Limited was the other one that I really liked, where the with the guy getting on the train from uh, Witch's Tales. That was that was really good. So I mean, it it's. The, the only thing you can take away from, from Haunted Horrors, you know, they're not just giving you junk 
from from back in the day, you're you're definitely getting solid reprints, and and it's definitely worth it. You're you're getting it for a steal of a price too, and I say that because you can look at prices on hardcover reprintings of of these or anything like that, and you're never going to find anything close to that price. So definitely pick these up, Aaron. Yes, I agree. These things are a steal. Um, I like the old reprints and. This is one that doesn't have continuity. I read the first three issues, came back a year later and read number 10 like it was nothing. I mean, it's just the anthology, the collection, it's just good. Um, same here as in with like Mammoth Book of Horror Comics or the Snoozer Mammoth Book of Zombie Comics. Why don't they ever credit writers from this era? I'm going to personally ask Steve that. Okay. But, I'm not um, going to get an yeah, answer from him right now, but that's a good that's a good question. Okay. Um, I've always wondered that, but I thought the first half of this issue was stronger than the, the second half. I thought the vampire ones were kind of me, but uh, I liked the, the epitaph. I think was the like not really horrifying. But it was just terrible. It was terrifying to see the dead confessing you have these adoring feelings for your dead loved one and you find out they're right and stuff like oh no that want to know that about it so that you have that memory of that person for the rest of your life they weren't so so awesome as you thought they were but uh, yeah I've learned not to build apartment buildings on top of graveyards I've learned um, yeah not to uh Jump on a train if you ain't supposed to be on the train. That'll screw you up real bad. So you can learn a lot of things from these books, too. But this, all in all, it was pretty fun. Awesome. And that seemed like I had another point, but I don't remember what it was. I, I think that some... first... Go ahead. The first vampire story was a little predictable to me. I, I saw that the incoming with the, with the ladies, but... Oh, I think that's you know, what's funny about a lot of these is you 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 can predict the endings for the most part, you know, or yeah. or they have the what what I always call the old school um, uh, meanings, you know. There there's always a moral to it, yeah. you know. You shouldn't have been pissing on that grave, <laughs> something like that, you know. Just just weird weird stuff, but yeah, but I can't even remember the second one. Well, in my life, I mean, now, I had a point about it, I just don't remember what it was now. Oh, okay. well. All right, well, let's go ahead and rate this. Billy? I give it a nine. I'm going to give it a nine. Hey, whoa, Oops. buddy. Whoa, you're last. Spoilers. Jump in the gun there. Watch it. I'm going to give this a nine. I'm going to give this a 9.5. <laughs> All right. Everybody stick around, and we will be back with the number one book that you wanted to know about this month. Number three. With their new album out now, with their new singer, Arch Enemy is back. And you voted them at number three this month. This is War Eternal.
All right, we are back, and it is time to do number one. But before we do that, let's recap real quick. So coming in at number six this month was V-War, number one. And number five was Cross, 2014 annual. Number four was Shadowman End Times, number one. Number three was Nailbiter, number one. Coming at number two was Haunted Horror, number ten. And now we are here. We have arrived at our number one comic that you wanted to hear about this month. What is it? John Carpenter's Asylum Number 1. There's a war coming to the City of Angels. In tunnels beneath the city, in the dark alleys among the homeless, demons lurk, and Lucifer bides his time. One man knows. One man sees. One man walks those dark streets. Father Daniel Beckett's seen demons, and he's spoken to the devil, but he's never seen an angel, and he's never spoken to God. Obsessed and driven as much by betrayal as righteousness and anger as redemption, he walks the smoke-filled encampments of lost souls like Dante's Nine rings of the inferno whoo all right a lot of people to credit on this one stick with me created by john carpenter thomas ian griffith and sandy king this issue written by bruce jones art by leonardo manco edited by sandy king okay that's it okay i love me some leonardo manco uh, this guy, I think the first time I saw his work was, I could be lying, but I think, did he or did he not do like a Werewolf by Night limited series back in the 90s for Marvel? I'm going to look for you. I believe he did, but I think I kind of forgot about him for a little bit, and then Decapitated Dan recommended a graphic novel. All right, where is it a trade, I guess? Maybe, I'm, I'm sorry. And he was the artist in that. So you're talking about Driver for the Dead? I believe it's Driver for the Dead. Mm, yeah, that series was and beautiful. And that was just one of the most beautiful books I've ever seen in my life, especially as far as, as, far as horror goes, but really any genre. Um, so this, when you look at the first page and it shows... I don't know if that's just supposed to be a demon or the devil. I guess it does say the devil. That is insane. That is like, I don't know how that guy, that's when you have, like, that guy has more talent in his fingertip than most people have in their entire body. His artwork is just crazy good. So the rest of the story could have stunk, and I wouldn't have cared because his artwork is that good. You know, because usually the story, the first thing I thought of is, Oh, this guy's like Gabriel the Devil Hunter. This guy kind of reminds me of John Constantine. But normally that thing, if I compare it to something else that reminds me of something else, usually it really is a big turnoff for me. But Monko's art uh, had me looking past all of that. And it was a pretty good story. But this definitely was an artwork first story distance second for me as far as why I like this book and how much I like this book. It was definitely, if this would have been any other artist, it probably not, wouldn't be something I would have cared for. But Monko's art is that strong. It had me very excited. Very, very excited in this book. I was like, wow. I was just amazed. Absolutely amazed. Anything else? No. 
All right, uh, to answer your question, yes, he did do um, A Werewolf by Night in 1998. Uh-huh. He also did uh, some Wolverine stuff back in 1988. Huh. And Hellblazer. There was, there was a bunch of Hellblazer. There's a bunch of um, other fun stuff. He, he was do- Huh? Tear. Tear. I know, but hey, that's what, that's what this book's so awesome about, right? We don't get Hellblazer, but now we get this. Yeah, that's that's definitely the way I see it. Um, this this book, in in terms of timing, I guess you could say, came out at the right time. Just kind of like ten granded from from Image, but that book fell jumped jumped the cliff and went straight to hell for the most part. Um, but but this one is still completely solid. This is up to issue uh, five or six at this moment. But we wanted to uh, basically let you guys see if you guys would pick this, so we could talk about it here with. Issue one. We weren't going to dive into issue six and, and whatnot. So, uh, like Billy said, I mean, Mako's artwork is just some of the most gorgeous stuff you'll ever see. Uh, two year when Driver for the Dead came out, I actually had him as my artist of the year in my uh, decapitated Dan picks, and it 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 just shows. I mean, it it's it's just flawless for the most part. And it, to see his evolution over time and, and stuff that he's done. I mean, he did do a lot of stuff. Uh, he, he was working with Radical uh, for a while, and then, you know, that kind of stopped, and, and now you get, you know, now you have to wait for, for something this beautiful to basically come along. I'm trying to think, because there was some other stuff that that he was doing. Um, but no, now it's definitely not coming to me. But basically, you know, it's that's definitely something that'll definitely pull you in just visually. I mean, the cover alone... Well, grabby, but like Billy said, you t- you open it up and you see that first page of the devil, and it's just you, it, your jaw just dropped to the floor. Story wise, um, it's Bruce Jones for the most part, and and I know he's adapted um, the story written by Carpenter and in King and um, Church. I think his last name was Church. What's the other guy's? Uh, Griffith. So you know, it's I, I like it. I like I said, I think that it fills that Hellblazer void for the most part, and I know, because I, I read this every time it comes out, I know that it's still strong, and it's still, um, I actually think it's gotten better, having to go back and, and reread this issue, um, I think that it's gotten better, and it's just even stronger of, of a book now, that I, I definitely hope more, more people check out if they didn't even know about it, because it's not put out by a big company, it's put out by John Carpenter's company, so, yeah, that is what it is, but no, definitely something I think everyone needs to, uh, Get their hands on and, and check out. I think that it's interesting and it's action-packed. So I will give it to Aaron. Leonardo Manco, Driver for the Dead. And his beautiful stuff. Everything he does is beautiful. But what about Bruce Jones? I love me some Bruce Jones, too. He wrote my favorite Incredible Hulk run of all time, Bruce Jones did. But uh, and he's here. Good stuff. And we got demons. Booga, booga, booga. And we got boobies. And we got uh, John Carpenter's name on it, but it's not really, you know, a mass killer or anything else weird. This is more demonic and evil. And this, this preacher guy kind of reminds me of the dude in the Top Cow universe. He's a He's a preacher, but he fights demons, and he's not all, not all white collar, so to speak. I think his name is Tom. Isn't this guy's name Tom too? Daniel Beckett. 
Daniel Beckett. Yeah, but he reminds me of that dude from Top Cow that was in Artifacts. I'll I'll take your word for it. Okay. I'm glad, because <laughs> this isn't reading Rainbow. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm digging this. I'm sad that it's up to, like, number six, and I'm so far behind. I have to get caught up. This is good stuff. Good stuff, Maynard. Well, that's the Yay. point. That, that's that's why we talk about it. All right, well, let's go ahead and rate this one, Billy. And it's better than John Carpenter's Vampires. <laughs> I hope he comes after you. <laughs> okay. I agree, though. I'd I, I give him a hug. <laughs> All right, Billy, what do you give this one? I give it an eight. I'm going to give it a nine and a half. I give it a nine and a half. All right, well, that's going to do it for this month. Um, we thank everybody for, for voting. That's definitely for sure. The the voting um, definitely went up. And uh, just to remind you how the the voting works is just go to monstersandmetal.com and you can uh, – three out of the four weeks of the month, there's something to vote on. That very last week is when we tally everything up and we record and we put this together and, and whatnot. But uh, we'll have a list of 12 comics for you to choose from. And the top six are what we reviewed. It's what you just heard. Um, you can also vote on there. There'll be six movies to choose from, and we review the movie that gets the most votes. And uh, then, of course, we have twenty songs, and we do our top ten countdown for for this episode. So uh, I definitely thank Billy and Aaron for joining me on this. Thank you for having us. And with with that, uh, I'll throw it back over to myself on the on the music countdown, and, and we'll be back on the fifteenth of July because this is the June episode. So we will be back then to do your next countdown. So don't forget, just go to monstersandmetal dot com and you can vote for what you want to hear here on the fan episode. Thanks, guys. See ya. Number two coming in at number two this month in one of our closest races yet was Insomnium with the new album out now. This is. While we sleep.
Well, we are almost ready to reveal the number one song this month. But before we do that, let's just remind everybody, throughout the month, you can go to MonstersOfMetal.com and you can vote for what is on this fan episode. You help us decide the movie we review, the top six comic countdown, and of course, this fucking fantastic top ten music countdown. So let's do this. Let's recap what has come before. Coming in at number 10, you chose Body Farm with Unbroken. Number 9 was Trypticon with Breathing. Number 8, Deicide and the Wrath of God. 7, Equilibrium, Blood Dimog. 6, Death Angel, The Dream Calls for Blood. Coming in at number 5 was Watain with Outlaw. Number 4 was Starkill, Sword, Spear, Blood, Fire. Number three, Arch Enemies, War Eternal, and you just heard Insomnium with While We Sleep. We've only got one more to go. Your number one song this month. With their new album, Elements of the Infinite, coming out on June 24th, and with special appearance by drummer Brandon Park on the next episode of Monsters and Metal, you chose Allegiance 1.618 for your number one song this month. (laughs) 